You could spend the weekend doing the same old whatever, or you could conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. Hello, everybody, and welcome to Behind Enemy Lines. I'm your host, Alejandro Suniga, here from the Michigan Insider, michigan.247sports.com. On Behind Enemy Lines, we take a close look at the Michigan football team's upcoming opponent, through the eyes of a beat writer who covers that team. And if you're listening to this week's episode of the show, you need no introduction. It is the game. It is Michigan against Ohio State. This is the biggest game of the year. Flat out. No questions asked. And yet somehow this year, it feels even more important than usual. If you look at this from Ohio State's perspective, they have lost the game two years in a row. They have not lost it three years in a row for more than a quarter century. It has been 26 years since they lost the game three years in a row. There are questions about the future of the program under Ryan Day if they can't beat Michigan, and that will be on the line on Saturday in Ann Arbor. At the same time, from Michigan's perspective, we know what's gone on the past month, how the allegations of improper sign stealing have cast doubts about the reason for Michigan's success, both against Ohio State in 21 and 22 and in every other game. And with both of those Big Ten championships and with both of those college football playoff appearances, there is a lot on the line as the Big Ten is reshaping and growing and changing as a conference, as the college football playoff is expanding so that, listen, if these two teams met like this next year, They both know they're getting into the playoff. They both know they have a shot at the national championship. This year, it's not that. This is a playoff game. You lose and you are out, almost certainly. You lose and you're not going to Indianapolis. You're not winning a Big Ten championship. You are potentially not competing for a national championship. 12 o'clock, noon on Saturday. I'll be there. I know you'll be there or you will be watching. It really all comes down to this. So let's get ready for it. I've got Patrick Murphy, who covers Ohio State for Bucknuts, part of our 24-7 Sports Network, giving us a detailed breakdown, position group by position group, about what you should expect from Ohio State this weekend. If you're a regular listener of the show, you will recognize his voice. He's been on every single week, giving us a few minutes about Ohio State. This time we go a little bit more in depth, because it isn't a future opponent. It's not that the game is a couple weeks or a couple months away. It's here. So let's dive right in. Patrick Murphy, welcome to the show. And it is with a tinge of sadness that I welcome you to this week's episode because it's the last time we'll be talking this year. What a way to end it. The regular season is coming to a close for Michigan and Ohio State, but there's no better way for it to end than with two 11-0 programs, Two teams with college football playoff, with Big Ten championship aspirations, and with the understanding that a loss, certainly for Michigan, probably for Ohio State, means the end of all of those dreams for this season. We're going to go position by position group to break down the Buckeyes. You ready for it? Yeah, I'm a little sad that you don't want to continue doing this through bowl season and and into the off season. I mean, I thought we were just talking to each other because we like talking football. You know what? If you want to talk Columbus crew, <laughs> uh, if there you, go. you want to 
give each other a preview of whatever the Iowa offense is going to bring to Indianapolis. <laughs> I am more than happy to do it, uh, but you have been so generous with your time all fall that I, I don't need to subject you uh, to, to any more. Um, but Patrick, let's dive right into the Ohio State offense. Uh, Ohio State, big picture, uh, number one total offense in the Big Ten, as you would expect. Uh, number one passing offense, number eight rushing offense. We're going to go position group by position group. So let's start with the quarterback, Kyle McCord, who really seized control of the job after the first couple weeks of this year. He's thrown for 2,900 yards, 22 touchdowns, four interceptions, is significantly better at home than on the road. On the other hand, he seems to have gotten a lot better as the years progressed. He's not much of a runner. His long run of the season is is nine yards, but you know he's a high level. He was a high level prospect. He's decently athletic, uh, so it's not like he's a statue in the pocket. Patrick, give us the rundown on Kyle McCord. Where has he progressed the most this year? Uh, where are the areas that that maybe he still has some issues? My big thing coming into the season with Kyle McCord was you don't need to be Superman, right? With the weapons Ohio State has, um, assuming the offensive line, which we'll get to, holds up, you just need to be able to get the ball to those playmakers. And I think he's done a good job of that. And as you mentioned, he has grown throughout the season. Um, the biggest thing for McCord is when he sets his feet and you know, kind of has that foundation that that we hear a lot about with quarterbacks, He's very accurate and, you know, he can, he can put the ball kind of, I wouldn't say he's CJ Stroud level accurate, but we're seeing in the NFL just kind of what CJ Stroud is as a, as a quarterback. Um, But he is very accurate. It's when he, and this isn't even necessarily under pressure because he has done a good job of, of avoiding pressure, but when he, whether it is pressure or whether it's of his own accord kind of doesn't get that, that platform set that's when you see balls kind of sail um, he's had a couple interceptions that way. Now he has completed some passes off his back foot when needed to. Um, he has a strong arm, but it, you know, that is the big thing for him is kind of getting, getting set um, and, you know, getting his, his body in line to, to make the throw. Um, he won't face the defense like this, right. That what Michigan has Penn state is probably the closest thing. Um, and he was able to, to find Marvin Harrison jr. Enough in that game to, to make plays and win it. So yeah, that's the big thing for me is, is McCord has taken steps throughout the year. As you expect, he hasn't, uh, maybe taken the steps that Ohio state fans expected because the standard at quarterback has just been so high. And, um, yeah, I know I talked with you about this a couple weeks ago during the, the Michigan Penn state game i tweeted something out kind of comparing kyle mccord and jj mccarthy um because their statistics at least passing are similar and i think this got to michigan fans and somehow it came across as a slight to jj mccarthy which was not my intent at all i think jj mccarthy is a talented quarterback i just think the perception of these guys has been very different throughout this year but um you know i do think that the the progression of kyle mccord has been what you like to see now, is it enough to go on the road and win in Ann Arbor? He does have a really nice road win against a good Notre Dame team. He did win at Wisconsin um, and played decently well in both of those games. Um, the consistency in the Wisconsin game wasn't what you'd hoped, but it was enough to, to win it. So this will be his biggest challenge by far. And I think we'll, we'll kind of be able to, you know, whatever happens beyond this, I think this game has an opportunity to set Kyle up for what's going to take place next season, 
Um, and maybe even the postseason if the Buckeyes do win this one. Let's talk about some of those weapons. And of course, when you talk about weapons on the Ohio State offense, you got to start with Marvin Harrison Jr., right? Um, it has very much been the Marvin Harrison Jr. show uh, for, for much of the year. He's worked his way into Heisman conversation, but but it's not just him, right? Uh, tight end Cade Stover, who, who Michigan fans got a taste of last year, he's really emerged as a receiving target. He's actually number two on the team in receptions. Uh, fellow wide receiver Emeka Ibuka, I know he's been dinged up, but it does sound like he's worked his way back uh, to full health or as, as close as you can hope for at this point late in the season. Uh, and then a couple other options in the freshman Carnell Tate and Julian Fleming. Clearly, big picture, it's Marvin Harrison Jr., but outside of him, is it the sort of thing where if you shut down Harrison that, that the offense stalls? Or who are the people who have impressed you outside of outside of Harrison Jr. And how do you stop him? Yeah, that's a good question. Um, and there have been teams that have doubled him and the Buckeyes have, have moved him around and found ways to you know still get him the ball. Um, I think if Emeka Buka is as healthy as you can be at this point in the season, and he finally started to look like it on Saturday against Minnesota, that was his third game back from the ankle injury, um, if he is at his best, then he can be that that number two guy that, um, you know, if, if you do, that's happened against Notre Dame. They doubled Marvin a lot. Now, Marvin also got hurt, hurt his ankle in that game, um, so it was a little bit limited, but did but played every snap. Um, so if you, if Emeka is as healthy as he can be, then he, you know, he was the top ranked wide receiver in that class, um, which I think people forget just because of how Marvin has played. Um but he can be that that difference maker as well. And, you know, he had 92 yards against Notre Dame, including a big third down 19-yard catch on that final drive that Ohio State ended up scoring in. So that's kind of been the thing is that they've said all year is sort of pick your poison. Yes, they want to get the ball to Marv. They want to move him around. He is obviously the focal point. But Emeka Buka is, is equally as talented. Um, Cade Stover has proven to be a more reliable pass catcher than I think most people expected Julian Fleming can make a play here or there. He has become much more of an effective blocker when they've gotten guys out to the perimeter um, than he has a pass catcher. And, and, you know, we have people on our board sometimes questioning, you know, why aren't they using some of the younger guys instead of Julian Fleming? Um, And it's because of what he does when he doesn't have the ball in his hands that that still helps this offense and helps the run game and and everything like that. So um, he has uh, like, I would say that if, if they are healthy, it's, it's pretty hard to just stop one guy. And if you put your attention to Marvin Harrison Jr., for instance, um, there are other guys that can win. Problem is they've been banged up. Cade Stover missed a game. Mekka missed three games. Um, you know, so it's it's been kind of uh, we have to rely on Marvin, which is okay. He's very talented. But, um, they you know, I think they appear to be getting healthy coming into this game. So it, it, it will be – and I think I'll keep saying this. It'll be interesting – um, to see how healthy these guys are. And then what Michigan does defensively to try and stop this offense just in general. How do you how do you slow this group down? Do you double Marv? Do you, you know, try and single cover uh, with your best corner and then, you know, shut down the other guys? Uh, I think teams have tried different things and the results have generally been um, Harrison has won. Um, he has had some games where his numbers haven't been as impressive, but generally in those games, games he still finds the end zone so it's been tough to slow him down no doubt I mean even Georgia's defense last year struggled to do it until he left that game so um yeah that I think that is the question every defense faces when when 
play against this Ohio State offense. And maybe the real answer is you get pressure on Kyle McCord and you don't let him get the ball out to them. That might be the, the easiest way to slow down any of these receivers. And if that's going to happen, we have talked all fall, Patrick, about that offensive line. Mm-hmm. Uh, I know from the beginning of the year, the left tackle, Josh Simmons, San Diego State transfer. You've got a center who, who's a redshirt freshman in, in Carson Hinsman. Offensive line, the trenches, we heard the interview uh, you, you know, that Ryan Day gave after that after that Notre Dame win of, of winning yeah. in the trenches. Uh, but how has the offensive line where, where Michigan has really made its money in, in this game, the last couple of years, you know, on, on the offensive line last year uh, with the two couple edge rushers back in 21, how has the Ohio state offensive line performed? Do you think that they will be able to keep McCord upright uh, when facing the likes of, of Mason Graham of Chris Jenkins and, and so on? They've gotten better throughout the year, no doubt. And pass blocking has actually been more of a strength than um, run blocking, though I do think that's improved as well. I would say the right side of this offensive line, even though you mentioned left tackle Josh Simmons, who who was a transfer, um, I would say that has been where teams have been able to get after them a little bit. Josh Fryer has struggled at times. Um, you know, there, there's been, I don't know whether it's communication or just recognizing, especially when teams bring extra pressure of who's picking up whom um, we've seen a few times where there's just a free rusher coming in. We even after interviews one day at, pulled up a, one of the guys pulled up a video of, of the play. Uh, I think it was against Rutgers where it appeared at least that Josh Fryer blocked the outside guy. So the inside guy, Kyle McCord gets sacked and, and Fryer kind of explained it to us that it wasn't really his fault on that play, but um, there's just been some issues there on, on who's supposed to do what, when they've, um, face some some additional pressure so I think they will be able to keep McCord relatively upright but I do think uh, you know even against Penn State like there were good moments and then there were some shaky moments and obviously Penn State has some pretty talented pass rushers as well um, although they did lose one in that game so I think it will probably be a matter of can you do it enough for McCord to make plays I don't anticipate it will be clean throughout the game for Ohio State because this isn't an elite offensive line, but, um, you know, can you eliminate the mistakes, especially on the road in that atmosphere um, to, to, you know, let Kyle have enough time, especially on big plays to, to deliver the ball where it needs to go. And the final piece of the offense, of course, are the running backs. Mayan Williams, mm-hmm. unfortunately, uh, out for the rest of the year. Uh, but Trevion Henderson, even before then, had, had really established himself as running back one. Chip Trainum comes in as kind of a, uh, a backup, a, a 1B situation. Uh, but Henderson has amassed the majority of carries this year, 6.7 yards per carry, 10 touchdowns, also has been involved in the passing game, as you mentioned. Uh, and he's a former five-star. Um, I, I know coming into to the game last year, like you look at Ohio State's run success rate, and it was not that high. I know there were issues with Ohio State running zone stretch, outside zone, not always being successful earlier this year. Has the run game kind of rounded into form or is it the sort of thing with, with Travion that it's a, it's a home run, you know, a, a two true outcomes, I guess, like a, a home run or, or stuff for no gain. He's made a difference. Travion has um, in the run game when he missed three games uh, for two of them, they really struggled. And that's when Mayan Williams um, was still healthy, both him and, and Chip Tranum just don't have that big playability. So you know, if it doesn't get four or five yards, if you get stuffed at the line of scrimmage, there's there's just not that extra threat there. Um, you know, 
twice this season coming out of halftime, Trayvon Henderson has had huge touchdown runs against Notre Dame. And then again on Saturday uh, when the offense moved the ball well in the first half, but couldn't finish drives, settled for two field goals. It was only 13, nothing at halftime. First play of the second half, he goes 75 yards for a touchdown. And what he's gotten better at is kind of, you know, it doesn't have to be a perfectly blocked play for him that that touchdown on Saturday, um, he bounces it to the outside. He had to make a guy miss. And then, um, you know, the receivers were blocking. I think it was Julian Fleming and Emeka Buka. Um, and he was able to, you know, once he gets in the open field, he's, he's pretty ridiculous with the speed. So, um, yeah, I mean, they don't have a do all back, um, you know, like, uh, you know, frankly, what, with, with what Michigan's had these last few years. Um, but Travion Henderson, with the big play ability and the threat of that on every play makes a pretty big difference. And then Tranum can come in and, and, you know, do some of the more short yardage stuff. Um, he's also lined up at fullback at times. They've started these last couple of weeks, though they didn't do it as much on Saturday. Um, kind of like what Penn state does with two running backs in the backfield, either side of Kyle McCord. Um, a lot of times when they've done that, it's been wide receiver Xavier Johnson, who's kind of, he's played running back. He's played wide receiver. He even played defense. Um, he's been one of the two running backs and, and often um, tryonham has been the, the lead blocker when they've handed the ball off out of that. So they can do some different things, but certainly the run game is, is going to be very reliant on Travion Henderson and his ability to, and it doesn't have to be 75 yards and a touchdown every time, you know, if he can get a couple 25, 30 yards, I think they'd be very happy with that. Well, we're going to take a quick break, come back and talk about the Ohio state defense. This episode is brought to you by progressive insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance, too, with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates – Price and coverage match limited by state law. Introducing the two-way V4, where groundbreaking fuel cell technology meets fresh foam cushioning for the ultimate performance. With fuel cell, each step feels explosive, delivering unparalleled energy return. Paired with fresh foam, experience maximum comfort throughout the game. Its lightweight textile upper offers support and breathability without sacrificing agility. Whether you're hitting the clutch shot or locking down the opposition, the two-way V4 gives you the tools to play at a high level. Learn more and purchase the two-way for yourself at newbalance.com. And we're back, folks, on the Michigan Insider at michigan.247sports.com. Alejandro Suniga taking you behind enemy lines with Patrick Murphy, who covers the Buckeyes for Bucknuts of 24-7 Sports. Just spent a while talking about the Ohio State offense. We're going to turn our attention now to the defense. Uh, Ohio State brings to Ann Arbor the number two scoring defense in the country. Number 21 overall rush defense, but the top pass defense in the nation and the number three total defense. It's year two under Jim Knowles, Patrick, who, who came to Columbus from Oklahoma State. He has put together a unit that on paper looks very impressive. I have my doubts, as I do with Michigan's in, in in a way, because I don't feel like the Big Ten really has very potent offenses. Yeah. But no matter which way you slice it, this is a, a very good defense. Where have you seen, big picture, where have you seen improvements uh, on the defensive unit? Have they potentially done a better job at containing the big plays that so plagued them last year against Michigan. Yeah, that's been the biggest difference this season. Uh, they've given one, given up one play of 40 yards or longer 
and that was against Rutgers on a trick play where they went under center. It looked like they were going to do the quarterback sneak tush push thing. Uh, they the center snapped it to the quarterback, who then snapped it to the running back behind him, um, and Ohio State wasn't ready for it. So they've handled that well. They haven't given up. Um, I believe the biggest pass play they've given up is something like thirty three yards. So that has been the focus and. Jim Knowles pushed back earlier this year about being a bend but don't break defense, you know, forcing teams to drive the length of the field. And I asked him shortly after that why he didn't like that term. And he just said, you know, that's that's not what we've ever been because uh, he's always been aggressive. And you saw it last year in this game, some of the blitzes and stuff that Ohio State got caught on. Um, there's been less of that. Now, I do expect Jim Knowles to still be aggressive at times. I think he's just been better of kind of picking the moments to determine when to bring an extra blitzer or, or, you know, when to change up pressure. They've done more things with, um, you know, they'll bring linebackers, but drop some defensive linemen into coverage. And they, you know, the defensive ends are athletic enough to cover um, in, in some degree. So I think he's been, I think he has a better, I think Jim Knowles has a better understanding of the group, which has allowed him to kind of figure out, okay, how do we just, we can still be aggressive, but we don't need to completely take kind of that shell off the defense and allow that big play over the top. Um, you know, but this game, this was the challenge last year, right? I mean, they gave up some big plays to Maryland the week before the Michigan game last year. Um, but it was really this game and the Georgia game that kind of set that narrative for Ohio State that, you know, they, they can't deal with the big plays. And and obviously that was the focus this offseason. So, you know, you've done it all year, but if you don't do it in this game or if, you know, Michigan is uh, is running free behind your, your secondary, then it won't matter all the work that the Jimnals and this defense have put in. But it has been much better, and they, they seem to have figured it out schematically. I think where we start with the Ohio State defense is probably the area that Michigan fans probably circled after the Penn State game uh, because against Penn State and even against Maryland, felt like Michigan's tackles had issues uh, with the opposing edge rushers. And you certainly expect that a bit against Penn state, which has NFL level talent, but then you project that ahead to Ohio state. And so does Ohio state, right? You're starting with a, you know, a solid defensive line, but an edge group that includes JTT, JT Tui Moloau and Jack Sawyer. How has that unit performed? I know that JTT, I feel like every time I see him on TV, they're bringing up the Penn state game, you know, that, that of course, that was a dramatic performance of his, a game-changing, a game-winning performance um, that last year, right? Mm-hmm. Yep, uh, but that he's not always performing quite at that level. Uh, so so how has that unit performed, and is this the type of thing where it really could change how Michigan has to, has to face the Ohio State defense? Yeah, these two guys, um, and I'll throw in, they, they mix in sophomores or redshirt freshmen. I don't know what their eligibility is. Caden uh, Curry and Kenyatta Jackson, some too. Caden Curry will also play fullback at times for Ohio State, which is, is always interesting to see number 92 out there on offense. But um, mostly JT Tumalo, Jack Sawyer, neither of them are like pure pass rushers. They're not like the Bosa twin or the Bosa brothers, excuse me, not twins, or <laughs> Chase Young in, in that sense. Um they can both do some different things. JT Tumalo, as you mentioned, that Penn State game kind of showcased everything he can do as a guy who can drop into coverage. He can rush the passer, but he's also good against the run. Jack Sawyer 
very good against the run. Um, Jack Sawyer's coming off what is probably his best. It's definitely his best statistical game as a Buckeye. Had six tackles, I think three and a half tackles for a loss, a sack, and a forced fumble uh, last week against Minnesota. We talked to him after the game, and he was talking about you know how he just feels like he's playing his best football at the right time of the year. Um, but yeah, neither of them are just true. We're going to beat you past rushing. Now they can do it. They have done it at times. Um, but I think that it's it's less of a concern. Now, some of it is probably schematic, too. Um, they, they've been careful, especially against quarterbacks like a J.J. McCarthy, to, to not rush too much because, you know, a guy like that can beat you with his legs. So, um, you know, those guys, I think they will get some pressure from from uh, the defensive ends, but it's not something that's been this consistent force for Ohio State's defense. In fact, I would say the interior of the defensive line, Tyleek Williams, Michael Hall Jr., who didn't play last week but said at an NIL event today that he plans to play against Michigan. He's feeling good, and it was precautionary last week. Um, that th- those guys, Ty Hamilton, I'll throw him in there as well. Um, that's kind of been where they've gotten more pressure is, is up the middle, and, and maybe that's just because teams are focusing to, to keep the bigger names, so to speak, on the edge uh, in check. But um, I think the interior of the defensive line has probably been more productive than the edges uh, you know, for a, n- a number of different reasons. Uh, turning our attention to that linebacker level, you have Tommy Eichenberg, uh, who I know he's been dinged up and expecting him to return against Michigan. If a player who's been around for a while and also is on the all-name team, anytime I hear it, Steel Chambers, linebacker level, it, it and it feels this way about basically anyone Michigan has played this year, is that Michigan has the tight ends and they have a running back in Donovan Edwards who you feel like can create mismatches, particularly in pass coverage um, against the Wolverines. It feels like that might be an area that Michigan could attack with Tommy Two Thumbs, as Gus Johnson will call him incessantly, I'm sure, on Saturday, and with Steel Chambers. Am I wrong in thinking that, or where have they taken that next step this year? No, I think you are. I think you're pretty spot on. Um, These guys, just because of the scheme, and because they haven't been as aggressive, neither Tommy Eichenberg nor Steel Chambers' numbers are as good. I think they benefited a lot from some of that aggression last year and and just kind of, especially Steel Chambers, bringing him on blitzes. And, you know, Tommy Eichenberg, I would say they, you know, they refer to him a lot as the quarterback of the defense. And I think that's where he's probably most valuable. Um, I will be interested to see how much three linebacker, uh, you know, formations we see out of Ohio State. Uh, Cody Simon, who has started, um, the last two games with Tommy Eichenberg out can step in there and, and play as a, a, a you know, a, a Sam linebacker, a weak side linebacker um, if needed. So there may be some of that. Um, but yes, I think from a coverage standpoint, neither of those linebackers and, and even Cody Simon are great in that department. So if you can get some, you know, whether it be a tight end or a running back, like you were saying, um, some players in there, to, you know that, that you can target I think there is there is a recipe for success there um, they also somewhat surprisingly and this hasn't been the case as much recently but they also haven't played the most talented running backs the last few weeks there were some gap issues with the linebackers a couple times steel chambers was just like hitting the wrong gap and then the, the running back was running through another hole um, so I'll be interested to see kind of how they've workshopped that um, for this game it's looked better, like I said, but, you know, Minnesota was on its fourth running back of the season and Michigan State 
has offensive line issues. So, you know, is it actually improved? Have they figured that out with the linebackers? Or is it just a matter of, okay, you've played teams that just didn't have the horses? And we'll certainly see on Saturday because Michigan has the horses. Now, taking a look at the secondary, uh, I, it sounds like Lathan Ransom. I don't know if he's officially out for the year, but he's certainly more on the doubtful side uh, of whether or not he's going to play this weekend. Um, Ohio State secondary, again, uh, this is the number two scoring defense in the country and the number one pass defense. But you've got some questions as opposed to, you know, in regards to what quarterbacks they've really faced this year. Mm -hmm. Uh, I know one of one of the corners is a guy that Michigan and Ohio State pursued very heavily this offseason, Davison Igbenusen. How has that unit all come together? How, if they're potentially shorthanded and potentially one on one as Ohio State's trying to stop that Michigan run game, how do you think they might fare? The. the Sonny Styles, or excuse me, the Lathan Ransom injury is certainly an issue. Um, he's been out the last few weeks. Sonny Styles, who is playing kind of a bigger nickel position, um, has moved back to what they call the bandit uh, safety, uh, more of a you know true safety position. Um, I, th- I think uh, this is going to be the game that's going to test that Lathan Ransom injury, and I don't expect him to play in this game. He was in a walking boot still last week. Uh, the most because ideally against a team like Michigan that, you know, obviously is going to run the ball, but still has the threat to pass. You'd want to have both Lathan Ransom and Sonny Styles in the game uh, together because they're both good coming up to the line of scrimmage, um, but they've both improved as guys in coverage. And so you, you don't need to substitute as much for that. Um, I, the, that's part of the reason I think I mentioned the, three linebackers maybe being more because I think if you have Sonny Styles, he can almost play like that third linebacker and sort of the nickel role. Um, you just lose a little bit of that with him at um, the, the bandit safety, so to speak. But Josh Proctor, who's a sixth year senior has finally, um, you know, kind of come into his own as kind of their deep safety. He's been good this year, except when the ball has been thrown right at him and he doesn't intercept it. He has one interception this season. He did, um, he, he did manage to all one in, but like last week he dropped one, but he's been good in coverage. He's, he's been solid um, at corner. You mentioned Davis and Igbenosin. He's kind of their number two. Denzel Burke has emerged. Well, really, he was really good his freshman season. Not so good while dealing with injuries last year. And then, um, you know, has played at a, a very high level this season. I imagine he, you know, will, will be matched up on, whoever Ohio state deems as the, the top um, top threat on any given play. They've both played well. Jordan Hancock has also played at the nickel position. Um, They've developed some depth in there because of uh, the injury to Denzel Burke, Jermaine Matthews jr. Who hasn't played as much when everyone's been healthy, but um, you know, can step in. He's a freshman. They really like, so there is some depth there. I, I, you know, if everyone's healthy, I think you're going to see those, those three corners I mentioned on the field, how much Jordan Hancock at nickel. I'm, I'm unsure. Um, but I think they do feel pretty good about their ability to cover Davis and Benoson is very aggressive and they've played him a little bit more in off coverage uh, just to limit you know, the potential for penalties and, and whatnot. He's done a pretty good job of getting through that this season and has covered well. Well, Patrick, appreciate you taking us position by position. Any parting thoughts? I know we are recording this only on Monday, and there's a lot more to think about this game before 12, 14 p.m., give or take a minute on Saturday afternoon. 
But any parting thoughts about this game, about the rivalry before before it finally kicks off? Yeah, just excitement. I mean, this is, I think, you know, anyone who's been involved in this, uh, either of these teams in whatever capacity, you know, you, you're always kind of thinking about this game, right? Whether it's a coverage thing, whether you're a player, whether you're a fan, a coach, whatever. And so the fact that we get to cover these games every year is fantastic. Um, I look forward to it. And, uh, you know, I'm hoping that the weather is is not uh, not terrible up in Ann Arbor on uh, Saturday. Two years ago when we were driving back from uh, there after the game, it was just snow. And I, I think it took us twice as long to get back to Columbus afterwards. So Hopefully we can avoid some of that, but really looking forward to it. Looking forward to making the trip up. I'm um, looking forward to see you guys. Oh, and a question for you. Um, do you prefer your mother to wear a one piece bathing suit? <laughs> uh, that so from Jim Harbaugh. that always entertaining, always entertaining. You never know quite what you're going to get. That is a direct quote from Ted Lasso, which yes, I think yeah. it went over some people's heads. Uh, but Jim Harbaugh is happy so. to both say that. And then just deadpan, like no smile whatsoever afterward. Yeah. Um, it's it's very special. Patrick Murphy covers Ohio State over for Bucknuts, part of our 24-7 sports network. It has been a long few months since we first saw each other for this season out in Indianapolis for Big Ten Media Day. We will find out which one of us will go back to Indianapolis next week uh, when yep. Michigan hosts Ohio State in you know, it it almost with everything that's gone on with Michigan, it almost hasn't hit me how big this game is, right? Because yeah, you know, twenty twenty one was a top ten matchup, but then last year was so special with it being two top five programs, and here we are again, and it's the end of the Big Ten as we know it. It's the end of the co- the current college football playoff format as we know it, and presumably one of these two teams will get a chance for all the glory. And that will be decided on Saturday afternoon. Patrick, you can follow him over at Bucknuts on 24-7 Sports or on Twitter or X at underscore Pat underscore Murphy. Patrick, I'll see you at the big house. All right. Sounds good. I'll see you there. And that'll do it for this week's episode of Behind Enemy Lines. For myself, Alejandro Suniga, everyone over at the Michigan Insider, thank you so much for listening. I hope you're having a wonderful Thanksgiving week. But if you're not with your family, if you have a few minutes, go check us out over at the Michigan Insider at michigan.247sports.com. It's the biggest week of the year because it's the biggest game of the year, and we have so much coverage to get you ready for it. We are at every press conference. We'll have intel after practice on Tuesday. We have expert breakdowns, and we'll get you geared up for the biggest recruiting weekend of the fall for the Michigan football program. Our focus all week is on family and on football. So with that, I'm signing off. Thank you very much for listening, and I'll see you at the Big House Saturday, Michigan-Ohio State. This is it. From producers Matt Damon and Ben Affleck, explore how art and music sustained hope during the siege of Sarajevo, thanks in part to humanitarians and the band U2. Kiss the Future, new documentary now streaming exclusively on Paramount+. Plus. Go to Paramount Plus to try it free. Terms apply.